Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. The title of our message today is Joy to Stay. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, Joy to Stay. Everybody say Joy to Stay. Joy to Stay. You know, there are so many things in this life, as I was just even talking about, that bring me joy. Big one is good food. I've been a foodie for a while now. I love it. So i got to deny myself that sometimes because I can get a little excited. They were good Brussels sprouts, church, I'm telling you. There are so many things, you know, that bring me joy. I love going to the movie theater. Anybody else? I love going to the movie theater. I'll go watch a movie, get my popcorn, get a cherry Coke, watch a movie. Nobody's distracting me. No kids are jumping on me. We're watching a movie. You know what I'm saying? There are so many things. Great company, being with people, talking about Jesus. I love those moments, and I leave so refreshed. I love good memes on Instagram. Anybody else? I love good memes. When you come across a good meme page, there is nothing that compares to the laughs you can get sitting looking at Instagram. I love when Eric Hughes, who's doing sound up there, tells me a story. I'm telling you, this guy, if you ever get the chance, say, just tell me a story. He'll tell you a story about a potato dog. you got to ask him that story because there's so much joy that comes from conversations with him. I get so much joy spending time with my family, making memories. Last night we watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a family together. It was a little chaotic, but I love those moments, making memories. It brings me joy in my heart that our kids are going to grow up remembering the times of watching this really, really creepy old uh, stop-motion video of this little deer with a red nose. I love taking my boys out and scootering with them and making memories and doing activities. And, you know, one thing that I used to love doing that I don't love doing anymore because it has a pretty bad repercussions in your life is I used to love pulling pranks on people. It was something I was so passionate about. I was a youth pastor 10 years ago. And youth pastors that don't pull pranks aren't real youth pastors, okay? I'll just say that. And I decided one day I'm going to start a prank war with my students. I'm like, somebody has to do it, you know. So I went to this student's house, I got a little window marker, and I wrote, this means war, and I, I you know, wrote my name, Alex, and I covered their entire car with wet dog food. It was pretty, t- I don't know why. I don't know why, I was just excited about it. And what happened was, the next morning, they wake up and they go out and there was bees covering the car. It was the perfect prank, church, I'm telling you. It was so great. Well, that started a war, it was a couple weeks later, I go to my car and it's filled with packing peanuts completely and they had tucked underneath all of my seats air fresheners from the dollar store and so my car just smelled horrible I couldn't get that to go away and so I went back and I covered their car completely in in snow and poured lemonade all over it just because you know youth pastor Um, they came and they covered my car in saran wrap it was a pretty pretty bad prank but I thought you know I don't want to keep doing this I don't want my car to be messed up anymore it still smells horrible one time they put glitter in my vents So for the next two years, glitter just kept coming out. It was just a party every time. Just start your car. Woo! So I thought, I'm going to end this. I went to my, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but hopefully he hears this. But I went to my brother's house who had a recent baby. And I grabbed one of his fresh poopy diapers. And I went to his car and I put it up underneath the seat 
left it there for three months. And his car smelled horrible for three months, and I never told him. Until one day we're at a conference. Bobby Walker was actually playing drums at this conference, and we were walking through Walmart getting our snacks, and, uh, and he gets a call from his sister who is cleaning his car. And his scre- I could hear her screaming on the phone, there was a diaper in your car. And, oh, man, I didn't tell him for probably another two years that it was me. I'm like, who would do that? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I just haven't gotten you guys back. I finally told him. But those things, as silly as they are, they bring me a lot of joy. It's some of the best memories. It's those times when you're hanging out with friends, you're like, what's the best prank you've pulled? you got these great memories you can pull on. And, you know, even for Brianna and I, I can think of many joyful moments. One was discovering that we had a baby girl on the way. Uh, my dad has all brothers. He has like nine brothers or something. My, my, uh, and then all the brothers have only had boys. And my older brother and my younger brother, my older brother had uh, four boys. And then we come into the picture and we have two boys. So I'm thinking it's hopeless. We're never going to have a girl in our family. The Damari name will live on forever. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden we're sitting in that ultrasound. And she leaves the room and she brings back an envelope for us, and we're like, just open it. Who cares? You know, like, we're not even going to celebrate. It's just going to be a boy. We know it. And she opens it, and it says, it's a girl. I remember the joy we felt. I'm weeping. I'm excited. It was just such a fun moment. I'll never forget it. And now we have two girls. We broke the mold. The Damari name will still live on, just not as much. And, uh, and we're blessed. But I, I know those moments of joy are, are things that we will never forget. They're, they're stories that we'll hold on to. They almost make us, and, and they really, in a lot of ways, help life to feel free and fun. And, but I think that today I want to talk just a little, about, a little bit about this idea that joy is so much more than our Sunday school understanding of it. It holds so much more power than we can even give it credit for. This gift of joy has the power to change our emotions, our heart our mindsets, and the outcome of our lives. This joy is so much stronger than we could ever imagine. So what is joy? How we see it? Webster's Dictionary defines it as this, and this is really how through our lens of humanity, we can see joy just like this. It's a feeling of pleasure or happiness that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. So this feeling is the outcome of something happening externally. It's an experience of well-being, good fortune, or success that becomes joy. It's not dependent on you other than if you receive it or not. That's why there's so many random late-night shows. There's so many different comedians because these different people speak to different people's humor. And so if people can receive it, they can experience joy. Are you with me? It's this feeling of pleasure or happiness. See, in Luke and in Nehemiah, I don't believe that it's limited to a feeling of good pleasure. It's not what he's talking about. We're not talking about joy as we see it. We're not talking about a boost of serotonin. We're not talking about happiness. We're talking about true joy. The kind of joy that brings you strength, not just an emotional high. The kind of joy that brings you strength, not just an emotional high. See, if your joy is circumstantial on emotions, it will only ever be temporary and will never bring you strength. I'll read it again. If your joy is circumstantial on emotions, 
It will only ever be temporary and will never bring you strength. So that's the joy that we see. It's this pleasure, it's this happiness that we are striving for in our lives. But what is true joy? What are we talking about in these scriptures? What is this joy of the Lord? And I really believe it's this. True joy is a feeling produced in our souls by the Holy Spirit. Catch that. By the Holy Spirit. As we see his works and his word come to be, it's not based on momentary feelings, but rather based in the Lord and becomes an overflow. It comes from within our souls and then touches our emotions. See, joy as the world sees it is outside in. But joy as the Lord gives it is inside out. Are you with me, church? Let me say it again. Joy as the world sees it is outside in. But joy as the Lord gives it is inside out. See, I think far too often, church, we attempt to align our souls with our emotions rather than aligning our emotions with our souls. We allow our external things happening, the trials of life, the hardships of life, the good times of life, to be our meter of if we're experiencing joy or not. But I tell you today, God has true joy for you. God has the real kind of joy that bubbles up from your soul on the inside, that impacts your emotions and impacts your entire life. This is the kind of joy that can break depression. This is the kind of joy that can break anxiety and can break stress in your life when it bubbles up from the Lord and the Holy Spirit gives it to you. See, when it's all based in a feeling, it's not trusting in God and it's not true joy. To get true joy, we have to praise the Lord, celebrate his work, sing of his deeds, speak of his character, and share our testimony, and align our emotions with our souls. In Psalms 92, 1 through 5, it says this, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, almost high, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. There's that idea in the hardships, in the, in the times that come, whether it's in the good time or in the hard time at night. We have to proclaim his faithfulness. And it says in verse 3, To the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp, for you make me, make me glad by your deeds. Lord, I will sing for joy at what your hands have done. Do you see this, church? His deeds make us glad. His deeds make us glad. It changes our emotions when we align our trust with his word and with his deeds. Lord, I sing for joy of what your hands have done. It brings this, this joy song out of us when we see what his hands have done. It says, how great are your works, Lord. How prof profound are your thoughts. See, when we align our emotions with our soul, we live in the overflow of true joy. Amen? Amen. Well, in Nehemiah 8.10... There's this scripture that's like one of those staple scriptures in everyone's life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And when I was preparing a message on joy, I was trying to veer away from using this, this scripture. It's, it feels like a cop-out a little bit, right? What are we even talking about? The joy of the Lord is your strength. It feels like one of those scriptures you're like, yep, we just say that. It's beautiful. But what does that even mean for us? And as I kept coming back to this, I just kept feeling like the Lord wanted me to speak from the idea that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And why is this scripture so significant? See, what's happening here is uh, they are rebuilding a nation after exile because of their unfaithfulness to God. Nehemiah is now the governor of Jerusalem, and he gets the opportunity by King Artaxerxes to rebuild the country and regather the Israelites. So 
they reestablish the temple and they're gathering all these people and they start rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. They're reestablishing as a nation. They're trying to keep their protection as a nation. And so it even says in a couple parts that half of the men are standing there with swords and shields and fighting off as people are coming to try to attack as they're rebuilding. And then the rest of the men are rebuilding the wall. And after all this time of rebuilding the wall and trying to re-get their strength, regather their strength as a nation and their protection, here they stand and Ezra opens up the word and opens up the law and begins to speak it and make it clear. See, something happens when the word of the Lord is clear. Something happens when the word of the Lord is explained. That's why we preach sermons. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do growth tracks. That's why we lean in in our devotions and try to capture what this can mean for us and what it meant for them at the time. He makes the word clear. And it says that people became overcome by their emotions and began to weep and mourn. Right? Because they're realizing their placement in this. They're realizing what God has done. And they realize all this work, all this exile that they had to go through, rebuilding the wall, fighting off all this stuff, could have been avoided if they would have simply just remained faithful to what God had told them to do. So it's almost like they're having a revival, if you will. As Ezra's reading the word of God, they're emotional and they're coming back to the Lord, and it's this beautiful return, and people are realizing, oh, the Lord is with us, he's for us, all this stuff. And then Nehemiah gets up and says this line, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Such an interesting line. If you read through the whole rest of the chapter, there's nothing even similar to any kind of statement like that. And what I felt like as I'm reading it, I'm looking at the fact that the Israelites had been putting all of their faith and trust and protection and their strength in the external wall that had been being built. All of their efforts were going towards this wall that was being built rather than finding their strength in the Lord. They were figuring if they can build up this wall and they can find protection in there, then they're going to be strong as a nation. And Nehemiah says this very contradictory Statement that the strength of the Lord will be found in the joy. See, when you come up against any hardship or trial, you can walk through that with joy, regardless if the odds are stacked against you like they were against them. See, I think many of us in this place, myself included, have been putting our strength in external means, making money, making friends, entertainment. We think if we can build a wall externally, of what the world says, we can be strong. But let me challenge you today, church. Although it's, we're being smart and we're being good stewards and that's all great in this day and age, you can find true strength when you rely on the Lord. And then you will find joy and joy in the fullest. See, my main point today is this. When your joy is found in Christ, not the world, your emotions line up with your soul. And we find true strength because our trust is established in the unfailing one. And the outcome is true joy. Joy to stay. Joy to stay. I remember a couple months back, I was building some shelves at my house. I love projects. I love any time. I actually mow my own lawn. Um, I know a lot of people don't do that in Florida because it's too hot. But I really love mowing my own lawn because I love the satisfaction of actually doing it and standing back and going, I did something today. You know what I mean? 
being a pastor, you don't really get that, that feeling a lot of times uh, because you're like having a meeting with someone. You're like, did it go good? Was it okay? Did they like me? Did they hate me? You know what I mean? That's kind of what it's like being a pastor. Okay, you guys, it's fine. Um, but I was, I was building these shelves because I love doing projects, anything I can do to put my hands to something and build it. I really enjoy that. And um, Brianna wanted a place to, to do some school with the kids. And so I built this shelf. But I needed to go to the store, Home Depot, to get a couple things. And all the kids wanted to come with me. Now, that's an adventure in itself. Anytime the kids all want to go and it's just me, that's a crazy time at the store. And so I got them all. We put them all in the cart, and a couple of them are walking. I have four kids, uh, and we're walking, and we're going. And we start throwing things in. And you know the kids, it's a little chaotic in Home Depot. They're just reaching over, grabbing random pipes and throwing them in. We probably need this. You know, we probably need this sucker. We need, you know, all these things. They always find things to throw in the cart. But we get to the end, and it's a little, I'm stressed out, and I'm, like, using the self-checkout gun. I'm just getting whatever I can. And I'm like, let's get out of here. So we go to the car. And you know, like as a parent, if you're not a parent yet, you'll experience this soon. There's a moment of relief when you put your kids in the car seat and you strap them in. You can breathe. They're not, they're not going to run anywhere. They're not going to run out into the traffic. There's a moment of relief. And so I got them in there and I go to the cart, just all peaceful. This is great. And just start putting the stuff in the car. Underneath the box was a $30 tool that I didn't pay for. Oh. Oh, humanity in me just was like, ah, whatever, I bought enough at Home Depot. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? Nope, I'm alone. <laughs> I would never do that, though, right? I mean, what did I have to do? I went, I unstrapped all my kids, walked back into Home Depot with this $30 tool and told them I forgot to pay for this, checked out, paid for the $30 tool, and walked out of there. I could never imagine stealing. That's just not in my character. I could have never imagined like just being okay with taking that. And I think for the rest of my life, using that tool would sit in my garage and I'd be like, like that's the tool that I stole from Home Depot. You know what I mean? I would feel guilty every single time. And you know, it's so easy actually to steal things physically. It's so easy to reach out and grab things off of a shelf and hide it in your pocket, whatever. It's actually really easy to do that. Kids do it all the time in store. They'll grab things. You're like, how did you get that? We got to go pay for that, that kind of thing. You know, it's actually easier to steal things that are mental. We're so volatile and we're so easy to be swayed with our emotions that these things in our lives can actually be stolen. Our joy can actually be stolen so easily, even more than physically stealing things. And so, you know, I think that in this, in this time, I want to talk about what it looks like that we have, we need to combat joy robbers, if you will. But in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 15, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So it's going to happen. Our joy is going to be stolen and robbed from us. But what are we going to do to combat that? And so I have three very quick points. I'm just going to punch through these really fast. Number one, understand who God says you are. This isn't about an external idea of who you think you are, all these things. First of all, come back to center. Who does God say that you are? And in Ephesians 2, 
Verse 10, it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. We have to understand that God created us, that he loves us, that he sees us as more than conquerors. He sees us as the head and not the tail. He sees us as above and not beneath. He has given us hope and a future. This is how God sees us, that you are a conqueror of the things of your life. You need to rely on what God says. And I can even remember in the story where the, the 12 spies go in to see the land of Jericho, to see if they're ready to receive the promise that God has for them. And 10 of them come back and say, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And the other two come back, Joshua and Caleb, and say this. To the, to the men, or say this to Moses, they say, uh, we can take them, we can inherit the land right now. There's something so significant about the two groups we have here. The ten men didn't see themselves as promise fulfillers. They didn't see themselves as the promised children of the Most High God. So when a, when a person who was a little bigger than them came, they said, oh, we're, we're too small, we're not big enough. But the other two men said, we can take them and we can inherit the promise right now. You have to see yourself how God sees you. Understand who God says you are. You are an inheritor of his promise. Number two, be on offense to offense. Be on offense to offense. See, I really believe this. If you're playing defense to offense, you've already been backed into the corner and you've already lost. You don't need to be playing defense against it. You need to be playing offense. You need to be pursuing it. Allow these things that come against you to brush off you. I, I always love saying it like this. When I'm in a pastoral care meeting, I'll say this. You need to figure out how to get some rhinoceros skin and a rose petal heart. Right? You need to be able to let things just bounce off you. Whatever people say, whatever they're talking about, let it bounce off you. You know what God says you are. You know who God says you are. You're more than a conqueror. Right? So you can't allow these statements, these offensive things that come at you to weigh you down. So have a rhinoceros skin, but have a rose petal heart enough to love people and enough to, to love people through the journey. Amen? In Proverbs 19.11, it says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Last little point I'd say, be on offense to offense, is this. It's okay to laugh at yourself a little bit. It's okay. Like, it's okay. This, this life doesn't need to be so serious, right? Except for in this moment right now when everybody's just staring at me right now and I said that line. Life doesn't need to be so serious. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun with yourself. So be on offense to offense. And the last thing is this. Do things that please the heart of God. Bob Goff says it like this. Figure out what fuels your joy and then do lots of that. And I would even change that statement to say it like this. Figure out what fuels the joy of the Lord and do lots of that. Do things that please the heart of God. Because then you're walking in alignment with his will, with his heart for you, with his calling for you. And I tell you, there's just joy in all of that. And This last week, I, along with Eliana and uh, a guy named Jason who oversees the Christmas Project, which is the, the organization, the nonprofit here in Tampa, who's given out all the Christmas presents that we all gave to. And thank you, church, seriously, for the gifts that you gave. It's incredible. Um, we got to bring a car full of all these gifts, and we got to load them into their storage unit. And we were one of the very first churches and organizations to donate to them. 
So we're loading it into this storage unit, and he's just so thankful. I think we gave something like 40 presents or something, and it was so beautiful. I'm sitting there. Um, our baby church, 13 weeks old at the time, is giving all of these presents and impacting our city. And so I want to say thank you, church, for that. But it was such a beautiful moment, and, you know, it was one of those moments of like, wow, we are able as a church to operate in our calling. We're able to operate in what God has given us, and we can so into our community. And, you know, a couple weeks back when we started Heart for the House, Grayson and I got up here and shot out a crazy number to give to this organization, which was $5,000. It was crazy. What? Like, that doesn't make any sense, a baby church giving away $5,000. But we both felt after prayer, after chatting with Brianna, we both felt like this was the right thing to do for the Christmas project. And at the end of our time giving all these presents, we sat there with Jason, and Eliana pulled the check out and handed it to him. And he opened it up, and he was shocked. What? He's like, no, nobody's giving this kind of money. Nobody's, like, helping us make this happen. Like, that, that money, the $5,000 that we as a church gave to this organization in our 13th week of church is helping over 80 families experience Christmas they wouldn't have experienced before. Isn't that amazing? Not just with gifts. They're really empowering the parents to be able to be the provider and the hero and all of that. It's beautiful. They're also providing a whole meal for Christmas for them. And all the gift wrapping things and, and games and all the things that go along with Christmas. People are getting to experience this kind of joy, if you will, on Christmas. Doing the work of the Lord. There's nothing that compares to operating and being the hands and feet of God. I would encourage you, understand who God says you are, be on offense to offense, and do things that please God. See, true joy is attached to outworking of the gospel. So if our joy is in the Lord, then his arrival brought us the fullness of that joy, and it's now residing within us in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the band up. You know, there's this old song, and we're not going to have you sing it because it could get a little weird in here. There's this old Sunday school song, and it found new meaning as I was reading it and singing it this last week. And I even started to teach my kids the song a little bit yesterday, but it goes, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? You got three people who have gone to Sunday school in their life. The last line, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart to stay. Joy to stay. Not based on our circumstances, not based on our hardship. We got joy in our heart to stay. We can come into Christmas season with a whole new understanding that this isn't based on what we're getting for Christmas. It's not based on if all the boxes were checked of what, what Christmas should be. We're taking this season to remember Jesus and his arrival that brought us true joy. And this joy is in our heart to stay. A couple years back, it was probably, probably 10, 11 years back now when I was in college, I had a friend who uh, was struggling to pay his rent. And I remember him sharing this to me. And, and I had a little bit of extra money in my savings in college. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to help this guy out. So I... I asked him how much he needed to be able to pay his rent, and it was $200 to pay his rent. So I went to my ATM, and I got out $200, and 
told him, hey, I'll lend you the money and you can pay it back. I wasn't, I didn't have an extra $200, but I thought I would help him out in the momentary. And I remember it was a couple weeks later, I approached him and asked, uh, when am I getting my money back? And he kept doing the thing, oh, I'll get it to you. Oh, I'll get it to you. Anybody ever experienced this before with anything? It's an awkward place to be and it can really burn a bridge. There's these strings attached that feel like like now our friendship is based on if you're actually going to come through with your word. It's not a fun place to be. It's not a fun tension to hold in a relationship. So I sought out some counsel, and I remember one of my pastors told me, he said, you probably just need to forget, forgive the debt and just give him the money. Well, that was so hard for me. It's not, it's not easy to do that kind of thing, but I decided, you know what, I'm just going to eat it, and I'm going to do it. So I went to him, and I said, with no strings attached, I forgive you. The $200 is yours. Be blessed. There was so much freedom that came in that moment for me. I remember that. You know, I, I say that because I really believe that that's the kind of way that God is giving this joy to us. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says this, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I didn't want to preach this scripture. How do, how do you even unwrap this for people in such a short amount of time? And how do you understand what that even means and I felt like the Lord said this and I, I couldn't get away from it but it says right here do not grieve for the joy of the Lord of the Lord not not your joy will be your strength but the joy of the Lord see the Lord has lent us his joy has given us his joy down deep in our heart to stay with no strings attached. He said, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you say. I have given you this joy down in your heart to stay. And it can last through any circumstance. It can last through any trial, through any debt, through any hardship. I tell you what, the joy of the Lord will be your strength, not your joy. That's why it's this Emotion that comes from our soul that's been put there by the Holy Spirit because it's His joy. How many want some of the joy of the Lord today? A couple of you. How many of you want the joy of the Lord today that will be your strength? Amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet. You know, at the beginning I read this scripture, Philippians 4, 4, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Always. This isn't just for right now. This isn't just for the moments to come. Always. We got to rejoice in the Lord. We got to lean in. We got to choose to lean into the joy that's accessible in our hearts to stay. And it's there. I think this Christmas season could look really cool for a lot of people in this room. I think Christmas could look a little bit different. Because we can come full of joy. Remembering that Jesus came as a baby and we focus on his works and on his deeds and what the word says about him. Christmas can have a whole new meaning and a whole new level of joy. Amen. Amen. Would you mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes in this place? And You know, we always take a second to ask this question. If there's anybody in here who you're hearing me talk about 
the Lord and the joy that he offers and, and the love that he offers freely to each and every one of you, but you're saying, yeah, I actually, I don't know anything about that or I, I haven't experienced that kind of love. Well, we want to give an opportunity to you today to enter into this relationship with Jesus. And also for those of you who have maybe turned away and, and, and walked away from the Lord today, I, we want to give you the opportunity just to reestablish your faith in the Lord. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand as an acknowledgement and a testimony of giving your life to Jesus. So one, know this, that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son for you to die on the cross so that you could know freedom in this life and freedom in the next. Two, the Bible says that today is a day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. Return to the Lord. Come to the Lord. He has great things in store for your life. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Come on, come on. Can we celebrate those who are raising their hands across this church? Can we celebrate those who are raising their hands in this room? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.